Constellation. 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 Welcome to Inner Bloom, a podcast about spirituality and intuitive empowerment where we help each other evolve and ascend through conscious community. I'm Alexa, a healer who utilizes EFT, also known as tapping, to help you process stuck emotions, release limiting beliefs, and reconnect with your inner child. I'm Ambrosia, a psychic medium and Arcturian channel, here to uplift and inspire you to see that you are capable of more than you know. Together, we empower people to live extraordinary lives. We do want to warn you, if you hang out with us long enough, you'll start to believe in yourself and realize that you're capable of anything. Enjoy Enjoy the the show. Hi, everybody. We're already live. Um, Welcome back to Inner Bloom. I'm Alexa. I'm Ambrosia. Hi, everybody. And we are so, so honored to be joined today by this ray of sunshine, Barbara Pamplin, author, speaker, and founder of From Fat, Black, and Unlovable to Beautiful, Powerful Love, who survived 50 days in intensive care, three open heart surgeries, three deaths, and still came back to talk about it. (laughs) Welcome, Barbara, to the show. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We are really, like we were saying in the beginning, we're just really excited to have you here and to hear about your story and everything that you're working on because it just sounds, once we connected over, we connected over um, a platform called Matchmaker FM. And as soon as we read your story, we're like, we have to have her on. She sounds (laughs) awesome. So since it is your first time here, we would love to hear just more about you, more about your background and how you got to be doing what you're doing now. Absolutely. Um, So again, my name is Barbara Pamplin. Um, Let's see, I was born and raised in Chicago, um, spent time in Atlanta, spent time in New Jersey, then back to Atlanta. And then now I'm in the Pacific Northwest, right outside of Seattle. Um, And it's funny. So I had this not really funny, but I can laugh about it now. (laughs) In 2017, I had this huge health trauma and that was what you were mentioning about the 50 days and the open heart surgeries um and that just kind of was this seismic shift in my life you know to survive what is really the unsurvivable it's a 99 percent fatality rate for the sudden condition that i had um and it really forced me to look at how i almost ended up in the morgue what what you know what was the path that led me there and it absolutely solidified my connection with my ancestors and with my spirituality because I mean it was to the point that during that 50 days I can't even count how many times either my surgeon or the doctor or the nurses would come in and say oh my god you're a miracle child we don't understand how you keep surviving and coming back and for me even in my you know morphine anesthesia stupor Mm -hmm. I knew what why it was that because my ancestors said no it's not your time there's more things for you to do. Um, and so, you know, that that was the major shift and that led me to writing the book um, that I'd kind of started, and we can talk a little bit more about that, but I kind of started it before this all happened, but I was probably on the path to abandoning it. And once I got out the hospital, I knew I had to complete it. And it took me down a just very deep healing path that I even continue today and continuing to write other um, additional books and working with other women to write books. But 
um, really all for the purpose of healing and for encouraging black women. And I'm going to kind of do this like show like black women, all women, all people to realize the toxic beliefs and things that we have uh, absorbed from our environment, our families of origin, and that we inherited from our ancestral lineages to like heal now. And this all was before the pandemic. And that just kind of amplified it like for real, the earth is ready for you. Your ancestors are ready for you. Your own higher self is ready for you. Can I curse? Because I curse. Oh yeah, yeah, we curse. Stop the bullshit and do what the hell you're here for. Yes. Yeah. I have to realize, do I have to edit myself? Because, you know, it's no problem. Everybody wants to hear that. But, you know, if I just start flowing, F-bombs will drop. <laughs> yeah. No worries. We love a good F-bomb. Yeah. You're know, um, free to flow <laughs> Exactly. Well, that that is such an incredible story. So what, I'm so curious, what did you change after this, I mean, very interesting, very, I can't think of the word, a surreal experience of being in the hospital for that long and surviving all of the things that most uh, 99% of people wouldn't have survived. Yeah, it was. I, and, and I'll say it's a, it's a continual because every year, and that's kind of what my next book talks about this, the spiral of healing, right? So things that I did within that first year, within the first two years, three years, four years, and thinking, oh, okay, Whew, I survived that. I did it. I'm done. And, you know, spirit is like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You got to go deeper. Any you, deeper. you know, I'm like, oh, damn. But I think the biggest thing, and it really took a couple of years to really sink in fully, is learning what it really means to love myself, mm-hmm. what it really means to honor myself, and how that shows up in all these little decisions that we make, um, how we give of our energy, how we preserve our energy, um, and, you know, kind of the, the minor and the major life decisions we make, I'm honoring myself first in that, because even with my children, I can't do anything for them if I'm not doing it for myself first. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's been the biggest shift and also forgiving myself for mm-hmm. all of the years prior to that. I didn't fully love myself, that I didn't make decisions that were in my own best interest, all the years that I did self-sabotage in some way, I literally had to forgive myself. And I would say I didn't really get into the forgiveness part until 2020, you know, when there was no choice but to go deep and to go in in even (laughs) even more profound ways. Um, And also looking at, you know, one of the things when I got out the hospital, I had an aortic dissection and that's the 99% fatality, right? Because um, it gets misdiagnosed uh, or sometimes the, the death is instant. But even how mine happened, I was having, you know, interventions along the way that I didn't even know were happening. And um, and I think one of the biggest things is looking at why is it that 50,000 black women die every year from cardio and cardiac related diseases and heart disease and are more susceptible and more impacted by that by any other group? And I needed to go beyond the physical parts of it, health, you know, diet, exercise, stress. But to me, there was an esoteric and a spiritual and an energetic reason for it. And so when I look at what Black women have experienced, even just in this country since enslavement, there has been so much grief. There has been so much, you know, babies lost, loved ones lost, murdered, killed right in front of you. All of our rights and selfhood taken away, being at that intersection of, of race and gender. 
and and the grief that we hold in our heart that just through epigenetics just keeps moving forward until somebody is needs to resolve it. And um, once I kind of came to that understanding, you know, through you know my ancestral messages and things like that, I um, I realized I don't want this to continue. I have two children, a boy and a girl. I'd be damned if they're going to deal with this. So mm-hmm. if I need to like go in deep and face whatever shadows and shit I need to face internally, I'm going to do it so that my daughter doesn't have to deal with the same thing. And frankly, because I believe in, you know, my spiritual practice, we believe in reincarnation through our bloodline. If I come back in seven generations, I don't want to deal with the same shit. Yeah. <laughs> I want to up level and deal with something different, you know? Absolutely. I think <laughs> so that like, it done. <laughs> one of the interesting things that... So I was briefly in the medical field before doing this. And one of the interesting things that I, as a white woman, have never like put together is that doctors really believe that black women don't feel pain. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, I was like, I had a memory of going back to doing my clinical rotations and I was in physical therapy and having a physical therapist tell me, oh, it's okay, she's just being a baby. No, she's not. She's in a lot of pain. She's screaming in pain. That's an issue. She's a human being. And so it just, it's, it's things like that, that I have never thought about until it's been so brought up that, and I think that that's one of the things that is, is needing to shift is amplifying voices and saying, no, 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 no. This is an issue and we need to change this. Absolutely. And it shows up um, and you'll see that since in some of the statistics, I can't quote them, but I know that just in terms of, um, you know, women and childbirth dying and things does not being addressed yeah. the way they could be. And that's why I say or where they should be. And that's why I know throughout my entire experience, I was definitely um, protected and watched over. You know, I'm thankful for my husband at the time. We're divorced now, but my husband at the time, because he was very present, asking questions and making sure that all the things were being done. But, you know, even in dealing with the the, the doctors and the nurses that were taking care of me, rarely did I feel like they weren't actually listening to me um, mm-hmm. and actually trying to do the thing. And I think that's a combination of both the human intervention, because there was someone there that was advocating for me when I couldn't advocate for myself. Yeah. And quite frankly, the spiritual intervention, like, no, you're going to take care of this child. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and even to this day, you know, I am connected with, cause I was in intensive care for so long and you don't, you know, typically hospitals, you're there for a minimal amount of time and then moved into another area of the hospital once you're stabilized, but I couldn't get stabilized. So I knew every intensive care nurse. And even now I go back and they're like, okay, Barbara Pampin's on the floor <laughs> because I knew <laughs> everybody so well. And to me, like we went through this together because yeah. their words of saying, oh my God, you're a miracle you must be here for a reason. Mm-hmm. After a while of hearing them say that, I was even thinking, damn, what am I here for? What do mm-hmm. I mean? And so it inspired me to keep living. If they'd had a different attitude, it may have, it may have impacted me in a different way. Yeah. So the, the attitude and the biases that medical professionals have absolutely have an impact beyond just the are you actually going to fully treat me to the best of your medical ability, but are you going to encourage me and create a healing environment so that I can internally help to heal myself? All of that's important. And black women don't get that. I will say black people, but I'm in a black woman's body this time around. So I'm going to speak to that experience. Totally. 
And I think it's made even worse by statistics, right? Like, so it's like, like that's a, that, and that's the reason so many people, that's the reason I don't really like to go to the doctor. I don't want to hear about statistics. I don't want to hear about what happened in the past. I want to talk about possibilities, right? And right. so I, like, it's, um, it goes into the placebo and the nocebo, what you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And so I agree. Like, we need, we need, especially in the medical profession, when it's so much about your spirit as you're demonstrating and your your will to fight and your will to be alive um you need people in your corner especially the people treating you so um and i'm i'm curious like so you've made it pretty clear with this amazing story that your um your journey in the hospital really illuminated like all the intergenerational trauma that kind of leads black women or women of color to be in these situations at a higher rate, right? Or to not mm-hmm. get the, it illuminated that for you. So I'm curious, like, bef- and, and it puts you really in alignment with this purpose that you have now, this reason that you're here and telling the story and doing all the amazing work you're doing. So I'm just curious, like, so before you had this experience, what was your relationship like with, um, your ancestors? Did you feel a connection to them? What was your relationship like? Like, what was your awareness of that intergenerational trauma? Was it something Mm -hmm. that you were thinking about or just not really? It's interesting. So that year, 2017, is just such a significant year. So in January of that year is when I took official steps down the spiritual path of really ancestral veneration and um, an understanding Orisha, which are, um, you know, African deities, that yeah. are really just forces of nature that that live all around us and we've personified them in some ways. So my awareness of all of that was just beginning at the beginning of that year. And I was doing some work, but you know, it was still kind of, you know, not solid yet. Um, but that, you know, the what is it from the matrix, the green, the, the red pill or the blue pill, whichever the pill was, I took the one that took me. To <laughs> I just it. said that on the other episode. I was like, I don't know what pill it was, but yeah, it was yeah. one of those, whichever <laughs> yeah. pill was like the one that took me in. Yeah, that was yeah. the one I took. <laughs> and, um, and, and just before this all happened, cause it's happened in October of 2017. So, I, I started the path officially with a ceremony and uh, a level of initiation in January. And then that summer I spent three weeks in Brazil, um, one week by myself and the other two weeks with the, the spiritual group that I'm a part of. And so we got to make contact with and learn about the spiritual traditions of the um, enslaved Africans that were in Brazil because the slave trade started going to Brazil a hundred years before they came to North America. And so things were different there. They were able to keep a lot of their culture there um, and their ancestral practices. And so that illuminated and opened a lot for me. I actually felt the presence of ancestors when I was on that trip very, 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 very strongly, you know, a thing that we call getting getting mounted. I didn't even know what I was experiencing. So like along the way, leading up to this thing happening, doors were opening that I wasn't aware of at the time. But looking back, I'm like, oh, all of this was leading there. Um, and so I had this awareness, but the relationship wasn't there. And I will say I'm still even strengthening that relationship because it's a lot of programming to let go of. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of blockages to let go of, a lot of you know, even the self-sabotage that shows up in external life, it shows up internally with simply not believing that gut feeling, not believing that intuition. And when you ignore the intuition, it gets weaker and weaker. It doesn't go away, but it just gets weaker. But now the more I lean into it since that happened, 
it's just growing stronger and stronger and trusting it like, okay, I'm going to trust that thing I just felt. Um, yeah. I will trust that message that I just got. And, and and through divination, even clarifying where's the message coming from? Is it from an ancestor? Which one? Is it from my higher self? Is like what, really understanding that and engaging it deeply. And to be honest, I don't know if I would have gone that deep that quickly without this traumatic thing happening. Mm. Totally. Totally. I hate to say that, but damn. But what a beautiful way to look at that, though. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you're really shifting the narrative and really changing the narrative to um, a seemingly positive thing that happened because you might not be where you are if that didn't occur. So Absolutely. Something I always wrong. say it happened for me, not to me. Yeah. And yeah. people are like, I'm so sorry that happened. I'm like, yeah. eh, I would have preferred a different way, but... Yeah. <laughs> It'll really get the message. Yeah. I'm just super happy it happened the way it it did because there were so many, 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 many points when it could have gone a different direction. Mm -hmm. Um, Even down to at the moment that I felt it happen, because I always say it felt like lightning hit me in the chest, moved down my body, out my rectum, and circled back around again. And what I didn't realize is that was my aorta tearing and tearing all the way down. And every heartbeat was creating more of a tear. (laughs) So, and then I'm on the floor and I'm like, what is happening? Is this a heart attack? I mean, understand? okay, it's not that. And so I knocked on the wall to get my husband to come in and he's like, what's going on? And I said, I think I have gas. (laughs) Hey, gas can be really painful. (laughs) It definitely can. But thinking of knowing what I was experiencing and it goes back to that pain thing, right? We have been told so much that we're strong and, and just have to endure it. I find for myself, even now, when a doctor says, where's your pain level? I really have to go in and think about it because I mask it so much. It doesn't seem like, is this really pain? I can deal with it. Like, no, this is actually pain. Let me say what it is. Exactly. And it takes a lot of internal work to really allow myself to express that instead Absolutely. of, oh, okay, they expect me to be strong. Let me just say, oh, no, it's not that bad. Or it's at a three. Yeah. And I think even even taking that a step further, I think people, especially people who've experienced a lot of pain over time, like we just learn how to disconnect from our feelings and our body and numb out and it just becomes like automatic. And I feel like mm-hmm. the, a huge part of the healing process and the process that you're describing going through is like learning how to feel safe to come into this body again and actually feel things, you know? Oh my God, you're so right. I, and so now I'm in, um, I'm training to be a Pilates teacher because oh. after, you know, after the hospital and physical therapy, I started doing Pilates with a friend of mine who's, um, you know, like a 10 year Pilates teacher. And it was so healing for me because it's such a mindful practice. It literally helped me to re-inhabit my body mm-hmm. after being, aside from that, the whole pain and being disconnected, literally mm-hmm. being out of my body that many times when I was in the hospital, yeah. I had to find home in there again and feel safe in there again because, you know, oh, I feel this pain. Oh my God, I'm about to die. Like, you know, really yeah, just yeah. being safe yeah. and comfortable in that. And Pilates really helped me to do that. Cause you know, you got to connect your mind with all of these fine muscles. So I was discovering things within my body that I was like, oh, what's that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I can move that muscle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like the big mover that we're used to. So, you know, that yeah. mind-body connection and really being present in your body is incredibly important. And that means you feel everything, the good, the bad, the pleasure, 
Yeah. Really great orgasms, really bad orgasms. Yeah. yeah. We were yeah. we were just talking about that, I think, on another episode recently about how, like, so humans, we have this tendency to just try to avoid pain as much as possible. So we try to create a situation that is, like, as safe or risk avoidant as, as we can. And mm-hmm. we don't realize that even if we achieve that, it's actually not good for us because the the degree to which we can feel pleasure is directly related to the uh, the ability for us to feel pain. Like right. if we prevent ourselves from feeling any pain, then there's no risk, but there is no depth of pleasure anymore. Absolutely. You know? So it's interesting, like a huge part of being a human and feeling joy in your life is that balance of pain and, and being understanding that's a part of it. And I think that's a little hard for humans to understand sometimes, you know? Absolutely. And the thing is, if we weren't meant to, to your point, we have to be able to, to be open to the full experience of being human, which because we're human and not like, you know, ethereal spirits, and, and I can't even say that they don't experience anything that would be deemed negative, but it's all a part of the experience. So it's all good, even when it doesn't feel good. Right. Yeah. All serves a purpose, even when you don't know what it is right now. Like mm-hmm. right there fighting for my life. All I knew is I didn't want to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know what it was going to lead to. Actually, I didn't even know that that was happening until I was in about two or three weeks already, because every time wow. it would happen, I came back. I had no memory. I didn't know what had happened. Yeah. I was even, gonna- you know. <laughs> I, I was going to ask, like, when you died, right, like when you were out of your body and when mm-hmm. that happened, did you just go blank? Like like you said, did you just have no memory? Did you have any kind of experience of being out of your body or what was that like for you? Honestly, I'm still unpacking it because, you know, I did a little research afterwards to understand a little bit better. And um, I've seen some doctors that talk about this near death experience or out of body experience, but oftentimes, and and this is what happened with me, the medical interventions will kind of take away and reset that part of your mind that would have recorded what happened Mm -hmm. or um, or at least masked it. So I know for, I thought at the time I was having hallucinations, but now looking back, I don't know if those were actually hallucinations or was I just traveling? I don't Mm -hmm. know if, if those things that I thought were dreams or hallucinations were happening you know, at what point in time they were happening, but I just remember them. And, you know, was I remembering a past life? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But one thing that was very certain, because, you know, again, emotions and feelings are very strong. One thing that I do, I came out of it definitely feeling, and I described this to, in the book, that feeling when you were a little kid and you were outside playing, maybe, you know, near your house with cousins or neighborhood kids or something, Um and your mother hears you, and this may be more of a, a, of a Black America experience, but your mother hears you and you're like maybe saying some things you shouldn't say or playing in a way that's not, you know, representative well. Yeah. And you get called in the house and your mother tells you, act like you got some damn sense or, you know, to be better or act better or whatever it is, represent us well, do what you're supposed to do and then get sent back outside to play. That's what I felt like. Like mm. I was on a trajectory wow. and living my life in a way that my ancestral mother said, you are not going to do the same thing we did. Mm-hmm. get it together <laughs> go mm-hmm. back and why did it keep happening I wouldn't let go I I, I, <laughs> I remember being in the bathroom like I'm literally in between life and death my mind is not able to function and I was on my iPad trying to order Uber Eats dinner for my 13 year old son <laughs> oh my and I was insisting on doing it I mm-hmm. had to do it 
So even in between all these things, I wasn't letting go. I wasn't surrendering. So it was like, okay, we need to talk to you again. Yeah. (laughs) By the last time I knew it was happening when it was, you know, as it was coming. Yeah. And I was consciously saying, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Like out loud as we were breathing and trying to get me to stay and the doctors were cold blue and all the things. I consciously was, you know, willing myself not to, but I did kind of go and I was gone for like 30 minutes and before my heart started beating again. But it was like with full awareness this time, because the other times it just would hit me. I didn't know what happened until later. Um, But I think that was the point of where I just, I just said, okay, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. So that's so interesting because, you know, when you die and you lose oxygen in your body, you, you, people say you have brain damage, right? Right. So, but also people that experience near death experiences will say that they have like um, ESP or they have like a sixth sense now. So have you experienced anything like that since um, I know you said that you're deeply connected to your ancestors now, but have you experienced like um, any kind of otherworldly experiences, I guess? I think yes. Um, and the reason why I'm kind of hesitating is because it's kind of, how do I categorize that? Is yeah. what did I actually experience and what is it? And so like, for example, um, you know, just even leaning into my intuition, I, if I get a thought or, or a message or, cause I don't, you know how some people are, you know, clear audience, they'll hear or clairvoyance, they'll see. Um, I've come to realize that I have what is clear cognizant. So I'll just know a thing and not know how I know a thing. And the realization is that I've had that all my life, but I ignored it and didn't believe it or let other people gaslight me into it. But now I'm like, oh, I know the damn thing. (laughs) (laughs) Now what do I do with that though? Because, you know, and that's, and here's the, the challenge is, is it a thing that I know from spiritual realms or is it that traumatized child trying to protect me? And Mm. so that discernment is something that um, over the last few years, as the the messages amplified, just discerning is, is it my trauma and my pain or is it actually spirit? And even if it's trauma and pain, what is it trying to tell me? And so a lot of introspection, a lot of uh, deep work to kind of decipher what's what and so that I can trust and lean into that intuition. So that's definitely happened. Um, I get... Uh, I've come to understand that. So in my spiritual practice, in this African spiritual practice, there's a concept called mounting where, you know, maybe it's an ancestor or one of the Orishas, if you are um, fully initiated, will kind of descend into your consciousness to give messages to people to help to heal people. Um, Kind of like channeling. Yes, but even more, you know, I think with channeling, because this is where the definitions, right? Right. With channeling, you may be aware that it's happening. Yeah. But with mounting... That, that, that energy kind of takes over and, um, and you kind of need other people around you to make sure that, you know, you're not doing backflips that your body can handle. (laughs) Right. Your body Um, is safe. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. And, and just being more aware of that. And so that's actually happened to me much stronger since this has happened, since this, this thing has happened. Um, But I am still, okay, how do I deal with that when it happens? How do I ground myself so that it can be a healing experience and not, you know, additional trauma for me because I don't know what to do with it because I don't know how to handle it. And, you know, and that's the thing. If you've grown your whole life in this Western world, when Mm -hmm. these things happen, you're not 
physically and consciously trained on what to do with it. And so that is kind of what I'm experiencing now. Um, and then exploring all types of divination because the intuition and the messages are going to come regardless if I'm using, I actually did a divination training with, um, with a woman in Connecticut and we used a rock, just an ordinary rock. Yeah. And the rock was like, precisely, you know, telling messages and answering these questions. And we all had different rocks. And so once you open that channel, it doesn't matter the instrument or the the modality that you use, spirit is going to talk to you. Numerology, astrology, pendulums, what we call Obi in in African spirituality, shamanic journeying. So I've like started to explore all of these things to combine into how can I use this to heal myself? to work with my ancestors to heal because they want to be healed as well because of all of the trauma they experienced yeah. and to, you know, make an avenue for other people because I feel like that's what we're being called to do. Um, in these last two years, it's like, y'all can't ignore this shit anymore. <laughs> yeah, like it's go time. You really need to, I've been thinking this the whole interview, but what you just said solidified it. You, We really need to introduce you to our friend. She's She has a podcast on our podcast network. Uh, her name's Nike and she, um, she, does all ancestral healing, but also she, we did a retreat with her. It was an intersectionality retreat and she was talking about the Orishis um, and she made that like a part of it. So I don't know. I just feel like you guys should be connected or maybe you can go on her podcast or something, but I, I just absolutely. Feel like, yeah. Look it up. Yeah. I got you. I got you. By the, by the way, I want to make sure that we touch a little bit on your book, um, which mm. is, I would assume it comes from this experience, right? Like that this experience is detailed in it. But talk a little bit more about the book from fat, black and unlovable to beautiful, powerful love. Who is this book for? So, and that's funny. I put that actually, I talk about that in in part of the introduction, like who it's for. And it's it's kind of that that cascading thing, right? First, it is for black women to, to recognize that the experiences they've had and the thoughts that they've had, they're not alone in that. And that there is a path, there are things that we can do to remember how to love ourselves. Um, and I'll circle back to that. And then for women in general, and for anybody of any ethnicity, and also to, for Black men, because we've all experienced some level of trauma. And so I focus more on the, the trauma through epigenetics of having 400 years of you know, enslaved ancestors here. And and notice I always say enslaved ancestors or enslaved Africans because we weren't born slaves. We weren't created to be slaves. And so language is important. My mm-hmm. people were enslaved. They weren't created to be slaves. Um, and so having gone through that and when you really understand the horrors of slavery and what they survived, mm-hmm. first of all, it's, it's almost like, so with the Orisha, they're these deified um, uh, forces of nature, that, you know, that we personify in many ways, because of what our ancestors experienced and survived, they're like Orishas too, even though they were in human form, it's unbelievable what they survived. And I focus in on black women and the women because somewhere through all of what they experienced, they were still having and loving children. Otherwise Mm -hmm. we wouldn't be here. Otherwise the race wouldn't survive. And, um, and to be able to do that through that subjugation, it, 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 deserves to be honored. And so I'll talk about, you know, so that's what the book is for anyone who wants to learn and understand that perspective. Um, And then, so what I go into is one describing, how did I come to this idea of fat, black and unlovable, beautiful, powerful love? And so the Orisha that walks with me in this practice, there's kind of one main one that will 
stand up, to walk with you through your life based on what you need to experience, based on what you need to heal and grow in. And so for me, the Arisha is Oshun, who also color yellow, honey, rivers, self-love. And so, you know, a lot of people will say, well, Oshun, you know, she's the goddess of sensuality and beauty and eroticism. And yes, all those things, but love, eroticism, sensuality starts with loving yourself. Every inch, every atom, every cell of yourself. And that's what it brought me back to. And she's also associated with mirrors because of this idea of self-reflection to understand where you need to heal and grow. Because if you love yourself, you want to grow, you want to heal, you want to do better than you were before. You want to understand where you are. And it was through a weight loss journey and I lost weight and I was looking in the mirror and I didn't see a difference. The scale was telling me I lost almost 40 pounds. My clothes were saggy. I had to wear other clothes. I looked in the mirror. I didn't see a damn thing different. Mm. And I kept looking in the mirror. And then I heard, in this case, I did hear fat, black, and unlovable. That was the belief I had about myself and all I was ever going to see. And then at the same time, Oshun was like, but you're beautiful, powerful love. And from there, it was unpacking what that meant. Because just realizing it was like, okay, great. Well, I do with that. Um, and, and so through the book, what I talk about is, you know, how I came to that. I talk about the experience in the hospital. And then these two aspects that I kind of um, went down this path because of some of some of Brene Brown's work, Dr. Brene Brown, mm-hmm. and this art of vulnerability and looking at your family of origin. And so there's two aspects of what did I learn from my family and what did I learn from society that set me on a path continuing the path of not loving myself fully. Mm-hmm. And um, for the, what did I learn from my family? I, I, I coined them as plantation proverbs. So black people in America, all of us hear these things that our parents or grandparents tell us to help us navigate this world that actually kind of date back to those, to those times on the plantation that were necessary. One example of the ones I give in the book is to be black, you have to work twice as hard to get half as far. Mm-hmm. And that's a very real thing. Absolutely true. And, you know, we could also say you have to work three times as half to get a fourth as far, but that the, the stress that that places on you and this expectations that that places on you. And so I talk about these different words and things that we've heard, or, um, you know, the empty wagon rattling down the road. You don't want to be the empty wagon rattling down the road and how that's tied to you know, um, for us and the way my mother described it is that wagon coming back from the cotton fields. If it was empty or light, it rattled. It made a lot of noise. Mm -hmm. And if it was full and heavy was cotton, it was a smooth ride. An empty or light wagon meant somebody was getting beat. Somebody was going to have to work harder. It meant pain. It meant death. It meant suffering. So this idea of being seen and being heard meant death and suffering. And so you internalize this idea of I don't really have a voice. My voice is not valued. And then it's reflected back to you because the voice is not, your voice is not valued in the world. And so I I kind of go through those things of where they came from, how they were meant to be and how I internalized it being a kid growing up in the eighties and how it impacted me. And in another chapter, I talk about the societal influences by looking at the stereotypes of black women through media, television, advertising, all the things, right. From, 
you know, I call it, you better look like Bunny DeBarge, which means Black women were only honored for their beauty if they were as close to European as possible, mixed as mixed as possible, all the way to the Mammy, to the Jezebel, to the angry Black woman, and all of these stereotypes and the impact that it had personally on me. And all of these things led to me in that moment in the hospital, almost losing my life all of those times. Um, but not to leave it there, then I talk about, okay, how do I, how do I bring myself out of this? And so I offer practices, meditation, visualization, practical things to do to reconnect with your ancestors, to reconnect with your higher self, to reconnect with nature, to begin that process of healing. And I say begin because as we were talking about at the beginning, it's a spiral, it's a lifelong thing. And so, um, and I wrote that book in the midst of at physically healing from being in the hospital and then, you know, doing this emotional and spiritual healing at the same time. So it was a hell of a process um, to go through that and to experience it and to write about it. And then last year, I decided it was time to make an audiobook. And so then it was a whole other level because then yeah. I had to read my book to myself as we were doing the recordings. Then I had to go back and listen to myself read my 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 pain and trauma mm-hmm. to make sure, you know, the recording was good. So it was like a whole other level of healing last year when I did that. Yeah. A whole other level of that self-reflection you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, right? I'm, like, I'm listening to my voice right now. And it was yeah. as we were recording it, there were times when it was like we just had to stop. Yeah. Me yeah. and the producer, we both were like in tears, like, damn, okay. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So uh, so you know. Actually, let me go back to the beginning of who the book is for. First and foremost, it was for me. (laughs) Right. And then kind of flowered out from there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. What And how beautiful is that too, that like you're the thing that you would do for yourself anyway to heal, like as to process like what you've been through and what what you've experienced in your life and the the transformation you're going through is is so connected with your purpose and what you have to give you know i th- i feel like i feel like that is in a way how it is for everyone when they find that thing like that your thing that lights you up your thing that you need to do for you your thing that you would do for you anyway is the gift that you have to give to the world because, absolutely because other people if you're going through that other people are going through that right so it's like it and i love how you describe that that intense experience in the hospital that a lot of people would say, why is this happening to me, was really your catalyst. Like it was the thing that brought you to this deeper version of yourself. And I just, it's so, everything you shared today, Barbara, is just so beautiful. And um, we're just really honored to have you here. You're just such a bright light. And I just, you've raised my spirits. So thank you so much for being Mission accomplished. There we go. (laughs) And I will say, so... um, so then adding in the astrology, just in what you said, that yeah. that experience being the thing. So again, after all of this, and you know, I'm looking at all the ways to understand what happened. And when I look deeply at my natal chart, it tells that same story. I literally could see that, you know, when I went deeper into it and we have um, an astral numerologist that's in our, our, our spiritual practice and he, you know, has been doing this for so many years. And so I'm working with him, I could see there was something by the placement of Uranus and um, in Libra and just kind of the thing happened on a new moon in Libra. So that part of my astrological chart 
was activated on the day that this happened. And so when I look at that part of the chart, it's where Uranus was, those unexpected traumatic things that can happen. And it was in the house that was about my health. Mm -hmm. And so all of the things said something major had to happen at that point in time to shift me. And it had to do with my circulatory system and it had to be something bizarre. And an aortic dissection is definitely something bizarre. And so even looking at that, like, okay, this was all meant to be. And then when I look at another part of my chart, it, it basically tells the message of my personal experience and my past and past lives and ancestral experience has to be the thing that I move forward to help humanity. That's mm-hmm. my gift. My trauma is my gift, which, you know, on some, you know, when I first heard it, I was like, that's some bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But okay, because that means I'm going to make it through whatever the thing is. And I have the tools to make it through whatever it is. So I'm going to hold on to that as shit comes my way. And, um, and, you know, there were times like after I finished the book that I kind of was like, I literally, the day I published the book, two days later, I was back in the hospital because my blood pressure had gotten high. And this idea of, damn, I just put all my business in the street. Yeah. was a little overwhelming. Right. And I've had other people was like, also, it may be that you released a lot. And so your body kind of responded to that when I released and published yeah. that book. And then, you know, I tried to run from it and like, okay, I published this book. Let me go do something else now. And that's when ancestors are like, no, you were supposed to go further. You need to do more. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was like, I still had to accept. I still had to surrender this mission that I chose when I was even before I was even born. And yeah. so thank you for even for recognizing that and for confirming for me, keep sharing it, keep sharing it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Um, such an incredible story, such an incredible journey. And how, do people reach out to you after they read your book or listen to your book and say, like, you've inspired me? Because I could, I can just imagine like so many, so many women, so many people that you're helping with this perspective and information that you that you have and that you've gained. Absolutely. They, um, and it's interesting because something happened that I didn't expect to happen. You know, um, I'm here in Seattle and um, when I was launching the book, I had these, um, a, a series of healing events. So, you know, whether one was performances, one was a, a series of classes of like dance and Pilates, like these different healing modalities that I was using for me. And mm-hmm. so created an event so other people could experience them, them as well. Um, as, and then the third event was um, kind of spoken word and poetry and musical performances. So all of these things that were helping me to share and through that experience in the book feedback as well, it's um, Black women read the title and there's a kind of a brief because it speaks to a truth that they've nest- buried within them and brings it up. Mm-hmm. And so we work with that a little bit. Um but the interesting thing has been white women who have been like, damn, I didn't know this and how illuminating it has been for them. And they still see themselves in it, regardless of the fact that I'm talking about very much my and my ancestors lived experiences as black people. Yeah. There is such a depth of humanity to the experience that they feel it and understand it and still can apply it to their lives. And so that was unexpected. I mean, I did, you know, in in the beginning and I wrote about that it's for everyone, but it's been interesting to see the groups of people that respond to it and how they respond to it. And so that's why I've kind of been like, okay, it's black women, but definitely women because of that intersectionality and the um, 
and the stereotypes and the fact that we all get told who and how we need to be, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be feminine, what it means to be all these things. And um, there is no part of anything outside of you that can define you for you. Mm. And I talk about that in part of the book, you know, they have all of these stereotypes and the reality is I might be a piece of all of those so-called stereotypes, but never one all the time. And only I can define who I am, but I have to have the confidence and a love of myself to be okay with that. And to say, I may not be, and this is another blog post on my website. I may not be everyone's cup of tea yeah, and it's okay because I'm going to be me. But damn, it took almost 50 years for me to get that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, you're I speaking like, right to me right now. Go ahead. Yeah, I feel like the other thing is, like, in our society, if you don't fit into, like, this little box that's deemed beautiful, yeah. then that can lead to just an array of other low self-esteem, feeling like you can't speak up, all of these little things. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in a lot of ways – a lot of people don't feel like they fit into that little box because that little box is unattainable. That little box mm-hmm. is one person's view of what beautiful is. It's not everybody's view. Exactly. Yeah. And that was the transition, right? And so it's not fat, it's beautiful. Every aspect and damn, <laughs> what I what I experienced. So in the hospital, I lost another like 30, 40 pounds when I was in that time period, which was mostly muscle. So I didn't recognize myself once I got out the hospital and I'm laughing because one of the main things I lost my entire ass. (laughs) (laughs) I would look in the mirror and I'd be like, it looks like two deflated balloons. What the hell? Like I didn't recognize myself. Like I have the, I have the stereotypical black woman thing. So did my mother. And you know, so I was like, what the hell happened? And then, you know, my daughter was like, maybe you need to define yourself another way. And I'm like, damn, shut up. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know, it, came, yeah. <laughs> it came back. And what I realized, and I said this in the book, I realized that my heart had to eat my ass to save my life. <laughs> and <That's>... so <laughs> I was happy to have the extra pounds and the extra yeah. fat reserves and everything else because my body had some reserves to, to yeah. survive off of. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, this is a beautiful work of functional art. Yes. It's not fat. It's fucking beautiful. Yeah. And and um, m- the black is my power, mm-hmm. you know, and I say black, not African-American. You know, yes, I am that, too. But that's more like my origin and where I it happened to end up. I just use black as a generic term so that whether you're in on the continent, in the Caribbean, in Europe, black is black yeah. <laughs> for mm-hmm. me. And then. um and that that be, drawing on that is my power because again I feel like those ancestors, my ancestors, came to help me in that. And I'm not unlovable. I actually am love. I'm loving, loved, and lovable. I, we are love. We all are love. And just that mantra of like, okay, I walk through this world. I'm beautiful. I am powerful. I am love. That's what I want people to get. And so while the book has both the toxicity and the and the actual truth. Everything about, you know, the website, Facebook page and everything I do is beautiful, powerful love, because that's what I want to etch in everyone's mind and actually my own mind Mm -hmm. so that we can really fully embrace that. Just imagine if everybody walked around feeling beautiful, feeling authentic power, not this bullshit ego thing that we got going on in the world and feeling like they actually are the embodiment of love. Mm. (sighs) Yeah. Game over. Whole new world. (laughs) Whole new world, which, you know, is starting to descend now because... 
<sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Things are shifting for sure. And I just want to say you're getting so much love on you who have been this whole time um, on Facebook. Oh, Everyone is just like, wow, what a journey. I had to tune in for this one. Uh, Carrie said, I so love this woman. This conversation is so fire. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, I wanted to ask you, um, Barbara, since we're nearing the end of the hour and since you just, you know, made, like made a huge case for why this should be our mantra and the story is so important, where can people get the book? Um, so it is on Amazon. It is on Barnes and Noble. Um, if you go to my website, Beautiful Powerful Love, you can purchase it there. Um, the audiobook is in all of those places as well, as well as on my website. I, I try to make it a little bit cheaper on my website just because. But if you're already in Audible and all of that, you can get it there. The other thing about if you go to my website, um, I have I'm actually creating a workbook. And that was kind of some of the feedback that, you know, I have these practices in the book. But, you know, it's up to you to kind of follow through and, and set up your schedule because these are things that have to be done consistently over time. You can't just hit it and quit it and, oh, I'm healed. And um, and so I'm creating a workbook to go along with that. And that will I will only have on my website <laughs> for very practical reasons. I want it to be yeah. spiral bound and no one else can do that. So I'm going to sell it on my website. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was it. important to me. And you're doing a workbook. I need to be able to open it flat. These small yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I have gear like, uh, you know, just some swag to just help people just feel good. And because I believe things that you wear should reflect what you're about. And so, Absolutely. you know, I'm never going to wear something that says, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I'm never going to say anything that's derogatory to myself. Yeah. <laughs> so Absolutely. Uh, so beautifulpowerfullove.com. And then um, those same words on Facebook and Instagram will help to connect with me. But the book you can find um, anywhere that you can get books online, that is. Amazing. Barbara, we're going to put all that information in the show notes of this episode. So you guys, if you're listening to this on audio, make sure you go there and you click and you give Barbara a follow and go get her book and go get her swag and just support her because this is a beautiful woman and a beautiful message. And Barbara, thank you so much for being here today and sharing. This was amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, can I add one last thing? Absolutely. Of course. So I'm doing this thing. I'll make it quick. I'm doing this thing. So Inked Magazine is having a cover girl contest. And I was <gasps> like, oh, I got big ink because I turned my surgery scar I, into a, um, that, a peacock that, dragonfly. I love, and so, <laughs> I love I'm trying that. to see like how far I can go because, you know, Inked Magazine covers are usually not this <laughs> and so if you go on to my beautiful powerful love on facebook um i have the link there to vote for me because i need votes to make it through um to the next because uh, i've made it a yeah. couple of stages to make it to the next stage and the voting for this stage closes in a few hours today so go oh vote, 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 vote or buy votes i'm gonna Put vote right there. now everyone on Thank facebook you. right now go give barbara a vote please it would be so helpful we would love it and don't you want to see this woman on the cover of inked what what's the specific cover it's uh, Inked Magazine, so it's going to be their cover girl for the year. So I don't oh. so on the cover, but also doing promotions and stuff like that. Usually models will go for it that are, you know, covered in tats. Yeah. And I'm like, I have a pretty significant tat. So, yes. you know, yeah, I, I think that would be amazing. You know. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, everyone. Process. Everyone go vote and give Barbara your support. Carrie said she's going right now. So. Yay. <laughs> 
And I'll go on the thing and add the link into and respond to some of the comments once we're done. Perfect. Yeah, I will tag you in this so you can share. And Barbara, thank you just so much for being here. Um, this is wonderful. We'll have to have you back sometime. And uh, yeah, until next time, everyone. Thanks for watching. Keep Bye. on coming. Bye, everybody. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love, love, love it if you would leave a rating and review on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to get in touch for a reading with Ambi, an EFT session with Alexa, or just to say what up, you can email us at innerbloompodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at innerbloompodcast. Podcast.